Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. You know, I I believe that you cannot be spiritually healthy if you're not emotionally healthy. And one of the biggest indicators of your emotional health is relational conflict. When you get in a fight, when you get in an argument, when you get in a debate, whether in person, while you're driving a car, or in Facebook comments, the way you conduct yourself in that relational conflict, I think it... It reveals your emotional health. It reveals who you really are. Some of us, when we get in a fight, we begin to act like we're eight years old. Because you can be chronologically one age, but emotionally an entirely different age. And here's the bottom line of this message today. If you're not right with people, you're not right with God. Let me say that again. If you're not right with people, you are not right with God. Don't believe me? Well, I got some scriptures for you. First John 4.20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Still don't believe me? Matthew 5. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering. Don't take that offering with you. Abandon it. Leave immediately. (laughs) Go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out from God, with God. Don't leave yet. Let me bring some more context. Matthew 6 says, But if you refuse to forgive others... Your Father will not forgive your sins. Who wants to be forgiven by God? Well, forgive others. 1 Peter 3, 7. This is for all my wives. I only have one wife, but all the wives in the room. (laughs) In a similar way, you husbands must live with your wives in an understanding manner, as with a most delicate partner. Honor them as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing may interfere with your prayers. Yes, amen. This scripture is scary. You're telling me if I'm not right with my wife, my prayers are hindered? Some of us are feeling even relational conflict with me right now because I just read a scripture that called wives delicate. (laughs) Take that up with God, not me. So relational conflict, it is an indicator for our emotional health. And emotional health is an indicator for our spiritual health. If you're not right with people, you're not right with God. And so it's easy to say, I have unity and harmony when we're in a church service and people are in their Sunday vest and we're, we're worshiping, but some of us, as soon as we step outside of this room, how dare you say that to me? How dare you cut me off on this road? Oh, why am I waiting in line? Are you trying to cut in line? No! You know, I used to work at Outback Steakhouse. I was a server there. I did not want to work on Sunday afternoons 
because Christians, relationally, were not the best. Anybody experience that? And definitely weren't the best tippers. If you are out eating at a restaurant and people know you're a Christian, please leave a good tip. And all the people of God said, amen. Don't leave a $100 million bill that says Jesus loves you. That's fake. I hated those. I definitely did not give my life to the Lord after receiving one of those. <laughs> I, I did not. But people know our reputation, that it's easier to worship than to be relationally healthy, to deal with conflict well. We can pray. We can worship. We can say the right phrases, and yet internally we're at a young age emotionally. How do you deal with conflict? When you get in a fight, a debate, an argument, how do you deal with a relational tip? What emotional age are you? You know, I was uh, surveying the internet, and there are a lot of fights on there, and I, I found this, this Facebook thread of someone going back and forth, and someone was trying to buy a product. You know how you can list something for sale on Facebook Marketplace? You can sell uh, your old furniture or a TV or something like that. Well, someone said, I'm selling this. An interested buyer contacts says, hey, is this still available? The person responds and says, yes, it's still available. And he responded late at night. Then the interested buyer said, why are you texting me on Facebook Messenger so late at night? Sorry, I was just responding to you. Don't re you just responded again. It's late. Don't respond to me. If you contact me again, I'm going to contact the attorney general. It, it was a really interesting conflict that escalated quickly. And a musician online found this and put it to music. Would you like to see this video? It's amazing. Let's watch this. Good evening. Is this available? Yes, it is. Please leave me alone. We are sleeping. No more contacting me. Can we give them a round of applause? Relational conflict. We all deal with it differently. How do you deal with relational conflict? You know, I've noticed that in life there are often skunks and there are turtles. Anybody with me? Who here's a skunk? Who here's a turtle? Let me bring some context. Skunks, when they get in a fight, they rage and spray anger all over the person. Turtles they just retreat into their shell of safety and solitude. They withdraw from the fight and the emotions. So where my skunks are, you rage, you spray, you get angry, you yell, you raise your voice, okay? Skunks, you should not be this timid. <laughs> we got some timid skunks, like a, just a <laughs> half a spray. <laughs> okay. <laughs> where are my turtles at? You withdraw. All right. City of introverts, Bellevue, that makes sense. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a skunk. No, I'm not. I'm a turtle. You're a skunk. Yes, yes, yeah, right? We discussed this beforehand. 
It's okay. And you'll probably notice that skunks often marry turtles. <laughs> it just seems to work that way. Anybody testify, witness to that? Skunks marry turtles. <laughs> yes, the kales very confidently <laughs> raise their hands. <laughs> Love that. And so what, what that indicates is our, our relational coping mechanisms. And so there's this term in the book that we've been reading, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, that talks about our emotional age. And I, I want to list some of the indicators of your emotional age. And I'm just going to read them. And I want the Holy Spirit maybe to speak to you. Maybe he's going to convict you of your age as I read some of these things. So emotional infants. Here's a description. They look for others to take care of them, have great difficulty entering into the world of others, are driven by a need for instant gratification, use others as objects to meet their needs. Emotional children are content and happy as long as they receive what they want, unravel quickly from stress, disappointments, trials, interpret disagreements as personal offenses, are easily hurt. Adolescents tend to often be defensive, are threatened and alarmed by criticism, keep score of what they give so they can ask for something later, deal with conflict poorly, often blaming, appeasing, going to a third party, pouting, or ignoring the issue entirely. Adults are able to ask for what they need, want, or prefer. Clearly, directly, honestly, recognize, manage, and take responsibility for their own thoughts and feelings, can, when under stress, state their own beliefs and values without becoming adversarial, respect others without having to change them, give people room to make mistakes and not be perfect. And you might notice that the Holy Spirit is revealing your emotional age overall and probably with indifferent relationships. Like, it's easy for me to be an emotional adult with some relationships, but when I talk to my mom, I become an eight-year-old again. It's easy in the workplace to be one emotional age, but you talk to your spouse and you begin to decrease in your emotional age. Anybody tracking with me? And so these things are helpful for us to understand and reflect so that we can be holistic, integrated beings that worship the Lord with our mind, our soul, our emotions, our strength, with every part of our body. And so as we uh, really understand our emotional health and our conflict reveals that, I think it's important for us to get a biblical understanding and template for dealing with conflict. And so what, what does Jesus say to do? Well, point number one, whether you hurt someone or someone hurt you, Jesus says, initiate making things right. And I want to bring some scriptural understanding to this. You know, back in the time of Jesus, you would have to go to a physical temple in Jerusalem to make a sacrifice. Sometimes this would be a couple days journey away, a couple weeks journey. So imagine you're walking to the temple for three days. You've brought your family with you. You've made arrangements at home. You found a lodge to stay at in Jerusalem. You finally make it. You're tired, but you get to the temple to make your sacrifice. You go to the money changers. Remember, Jesus talks about them. And you get the right currency. You buy an animal sacrifice, and you're waiting in line after all this travel. You finally get to the place where you can make the sacrifice, but you can't make the sacrifice by yourself. So you are surrounded by hundreds of people. You have to wait in another line for a priest to help you make the sacrifice. Finally, it's your turn, and you have a thought in your mind right as you're about to make this offering of worship at the temple in Jerusalem. You have a thought. Oh my goodness, my friend, she's mad at me because I forgot to pay her back. And she had to remind me two times and I still haven't done it. What would you do in that moment? 
You're about to make an offering. You're about to leave it at the altar, and then you are reminded of a grudge. Well, this is what Jesus says to do. We read it earlier in Matthew 5, 23. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then, and only then, come back and work things out with God. Doesn't that sound inconvenient? Christianity is inconvenient. Having a relationship with God and following his will and his way in a countercultural way is inconvenient. And so Jesus says, if you know, this isn't you having a grudge against someone. If you know someone has a grudge against you, whose responsibility is it to make things right and to take the initiative? It's ours. Isn't that interesting? All right, so I only have to work out the relational issues if someone has something against me. Well, uh, not so fast. In Matthew 18, if you have a problem with someone else, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. So if someone has a grudge against me, if I have a grudge against someone else, whose responsibility is it to initiate? It's ours. We start first. To those following the ways of Jesus, we always have the ball in our court to make things relationally right. We are called to have hard conversations with people. We are called to initiate confrontation. I know in our culture, confrontation is a scary word. We ghost people. We cancel people. We leave people on red. We just avoid the issues. When was the last time you officially ended a friendship but you have ended friendships you've just never had the courage to do it directly you just hope they don't notice you just hope things grow distant this is not what jesus says to do he calls us to hard conversations of confrontation the latin word confrontation means face to face we are called to have face-to-face conversations where we work things out, where as followers of Jesus, we have a ministry called the ministry of reconciliation. And so Jesus says, take care of your relational issues before worshiping. But what do we do in the American church? If we have a relational problem in the church, we go to another church so we can worship instead of working out our relational differences. We do the opposite of what Jesus says. I want to worship, but I had a breakup at that church, so I can't worship there anymore. I want to worship, but I got in a fight with the pastor or a leader, so I can't worship there anymore. So I have to find somewhere else to worship instead of working out the problems. Let's be honest. I love that people are joining our church. I love that there's been people at it. But I think when we bounce from relationship to relationship, when we bounce from community to community, when we bounce from church to church, it is an indicator that we are emotional infants. And I'm not calling anybody out specifically right now, but we need to learn how to confront one another. We need to learn how to have hard conversations. It's awkward, it's inconvenient, but it is what love looks like. I love it. I love it when people can work things out. 
When it comes to healing a relationship, the first move is always yours. When Jesus had a problem for us, guess what? He loved us even when we were considered enemies. He didn't just vent about his problems. He didn't just complain about us. He took the matters into his hands to bridge the gap that we couldn't bridge ourselves. And Jesus brought us into relationship with himself. You know, a number of years ago, Pastor Amritha and I, we were friends with this girl, and this girl treated Amritha really poorly, always treated her like in a competitive spirit, was always insulting her, saying mean things. And if you know, Amritha, she's so sweet. Why would you ever want to be mean to her? Can I get a good amen? And this girl, just time and time again, was mean, 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 mean. And this went on for months. And I, I finally said, Amritha, I don't want her to treat you like this. you got to have a hard conversation with her. Amritha's like, it's going to be awkward. I don't want to do this. I'm, I'm saying, you have to if you want to follow the ways of Jesus. <laughs> what? Oh, you manipulate much? Yes, I do. <laughs> and so finally, she's, she, in her own heart, in her own prayer life, decided, I want to confront this girl. I don't want her to treat me like this anyways. And so they planned a meeting. They hired someone to be a mediator, one of our friends. And I remember saying, Amritha, all right, you got to go up to this girl and you just tell her to her face, I hate you. I want bad, th- I curse you. I want bad things to happen to you. I don't like you at all. Amritha's like, that's not how I feel. I'm like, just say it. Just say it. And so Amritha's like, oh, I don't want to be mean. I, don't. I just said, be honest. And, and, and in fact, on their way to this confrontation, I, I, I got a, a sound system and I played Eye of the Tiger as she walked into this room. Bah, 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 bah. You're going to tell her you hate her. Bah, bah, bah. You're going to tell her she's a bad friend. Bah, bah, bah. You're going to tell her she's going to hell. Amritha's like, that's not how I feel. Stop it. I'm like, I'm pumping you up. So they get into this meeting. <laughs> And uh, it, it's crazy. There's so much tension at the beginning of this meeting. But then Amritha just says, hey, you, I, I've really been hurt. I, I feel like I, I've re- received like negative energy and mean comments from you. Like, what's going on? And then this girl shared her perspective, how she was hurt as well. And the mediator was there. And I'm telling you, what, by the end of that conversation, there was like no tension in the relationship. It was wild. Like, culture would tell us, you know, you just, you, you know, go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. If people aren't going to treat you right, you just, you just walk away. You just leave. You just ignore them, right? But Amritha had the biblical Jesus-following courage to say, hey, I'm going to bring my issue to you. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to take time to listen to your hurt. And I'm going to, I'm going to fight for this to be healthy. And it worked. It was simple. And the Jesus words that are helpful for our lives, guess what? They work. And so with dealing with conflict, I just want to encourage you. Make the call. Initiate the conversation. Go to the person. Don't just vent about them. Don't just gossip about them. Don't just pray about them. Talk to them. Because the issue might not be what it seems. Amen? Second thing that Jesus says when it comes to dealing with conflict that I want to share. Number two, it's hard to work on yourself if you spend most of your time correcting others. So Jesus says in Matthew 7, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll see 
well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. In moments like this, we're reminded that Jesus was a carpenter because he brings in Hebrew carpentry humor. And I love a good joke. He says, hey, before you worry about like this little issue, this like sawdust in your friend's eye, take the, the full plank, the full piece of wood out of your own eye, and then you'll more accurately be able to, to see. You guys aren't fans of Hebrew carpentry humor? He probably would have got a great laugh in the carpenter guild. <laughs> Not here. Some things don't translate as well. <laughs> Uh, but honestly, we are so comfortable criticizing others. Let's be honest. When it comes to Facebook, are we posting confrontation of ourselves or are we constantly criticizing politicians, religious leaders, people on the other side of your political spectrum? Or, or are we saying, hey, I really need to work on this? I hardly see those posts. I only see criticisms of what's happening to other people and what other people are doing wrong. And as a culture, this is what we're used to. I mean, the mental gymnastics we have to criticize the opposing political forces, but to justify our own political forces that are doing the same thing is a little ridiculous. Would anybody agree with me? It's like when our guy's in the office, oh, okay, that's acceptable. We can say those things. We can do those policies. When the other guy's in the office, we're like, how dare you? That's horrible. We're so easy to justify ourselves. Because like, here's the reality. We want people to judge us by our intentions, but we judge other people by their actions. Right? And this is not what Jesus says to do. I mean, the other day I was confronting Amritha, and I said, hey, why are you buying so much stuff on Amazon? <laughs> like, this is too much. Anybody with me? Like, come on, inflation. Like, what are you doing? And then as we are talking about this, I think last night, she's like, did you buy another jean jacket? Like, you shut your mouth. <laughs> you know I love jean jackets! <laughs> you shut your mouth right now. I was like, I'm worried about like this dumb little purchase when I bought my seventh jean jacket. You know, there's literally a log in my eye. And th this is what we do when it comes to fighting, conflict. Could you, have you ever started a fight like this? Hey, how dare you? But before you say one more word, I just got to say this. I used the wrong timing, tone, and text in my conversation with you yesterday. And I said a lot of things I regret. And I think from the very beginning of this conflict, I was in the wrong. <laughs> Have you ever started with taking the log out of your own eye in a fight? No. What do we do? We attack them. We tell them all the things that they've done wrong all the things that they could improve. But this is not what Jesus says to do. Take the log out of your own eye. What would happen if we started more conversations like that? You know, uh, when I was in youth ministry as a teenager, I felt like this youth pastor really wronged me. We were at this event at a pool, a youth event, and he said some really mean things publicly about my character, about who I am, and I was just so angry. So I decided I'm going to confront him. I'm going to point out all his flaws as a leader, as a pastor. Men of God should be different. You should be like Jesus. So I have the conversation. And he says, Pradeepin, when did we go to the pool? I go, last week. He goes, really? I was like, let me think about it. Then I realized something. This circumstance never happened. I had it in a dream. 
I made up the whole conflict. And I quickly went from attacking him to say, I am so sorry. <laughs> Will you please forgive me? It's weird going from that attacking posture to that apologizing and say, how can I change posture? But if we can start there as the people of God, oh man, it can open up relationships. I was thinking about leaving that church because of an imaginary conversation. I was thinking about gossiping and bashing him behind his back because of an imaginary conversation. Let's be real. How many of us have imaginary conversations about people in this room? How many of us have imaginary conversations in the shower about people at our work? And guess what? We always win those arguments, don't we? Oh, we have the perfect comeback 10 minutes after the conversation finished. <laughs> it's, oh, oh, if I, I would have said this and this and this. But if we would just go into conversations ready to hear, ready to listen, ready to love and learn, I believe that true reconciliation could happen. A lot of us can dish criticism, but we can't handle it. I just want to encourage you, before you're ready and eager to speak your truth, would you listen to their hurt? Start off listening to their hurt before you're speaking their truth. And I believe that doors can open. Can you handle criticism? I mean, honestly, if someone asks you, hey, or if, if you ask someone, what's my blind spot, would they really share it with you? Or would they make up something like, hey, sometimes you just, you're not perfect. Would they say the easy thing? Or would they say, hey, you're late all the time and it really bothers me. It feels like you're disrespectful. I mean, would you be able to have that kind of conversation with someone? Well, I think that's an indication of a, a true healthy, emotionally healthy relationship. Have this conversation with someone. Hey, what's something about your favorite politician, a policy that they have that you really hate? Let's see if we can think critically about even people we love. Amen? And so identify your part of the problem first when dealing with emotional and relational conflict. Number three, leave the result of conflict resolution with God. It is possible to walk hand in hand without seeing eye to eye on every matter. Reconciliation doesn't always mean resolution. It's okay to disagree, but you don't have to be disagreeable. I love this scripture in Romans 12 that says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And so, yes, we will have hard conversations. Yes, we will initiate conflict resolution, but it won't always happen like we want. There are some times where we end intimate friendships. There are some times where we end relationships. But just because you disagree with someone doesn't mean you have to be disagreeable. You can have reconciliation where, hey, we, don't, we can still walk hand in hand. There's reconciliation in this relationship, but I know we're not going to see eye to eye on every single issue. Do any of you have a friendship, like a real godly friendship with someone you don't, you don't agree with everything about? Does anybody have that? See your hand. I think that's beautiful. In this age of echo chambers and cancel culture, that's becoming increasingly rare where we have real relationships, vulnerable friendships with people we don't agree with every single issue about. And I, I think it's important for us to say, hey, I'm going to do my part as much as possible, as much as it depends on me to live at peace with everyone. But you know what? I can't control people. I can't force them to be in a relationship with me. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow the ways of Jesus, but I'm going to leave the results to God. 
And here, here's the deal. When it comes to forgiveness, it only takes one party to forgive. When you're dealing with offenses, when you're dealing with anger, you don't need them to perform any differently to forgive them. I'm not saying that restores trust. I'm not saying that heals the relationship perfectly. But you can forgive someone between you and God. And it will end up maybe not freeing them, but it will free you. You know, I've heard this description in such a good mental image for me. But like bitterness and holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other party gets hurt. You're the one drinking the poison. You're the one getting hurt. And so we need to operate in the ways of Jesus and leave the results of God. You know, we like to repay evil with evil. We like to have an eye for an eye, but when that happens, it leaves the whole world blind. And so we need to pick up the ways of Jesus. A number of years ago, I got my first opportunity to work as a, a like, intern pastor at, at a church, and I I got this opportunity. I lived with the pastor, in fact. I lived in the basement, and I, I worked for free for two years. I was the one in charge of the facilities. I would stack the chairs. I'd clean the building. When we had night prayer services, I was the one praying throughout the night. I was doing everything, and I, I didn't have a distinction, really, between public ministry life and private life because I was living with the pastor. And this relationship got really, really tense, and I began to have a seed of church hurt and bitterness. Uh, I couldn't stand this pastor anymore, and I ended up leaving that church. I ended up leaving the nation. I moved to Korea, and I just had so much anger. I didn't go to church for almost two years after that, and this was after getting a Bible degree, after wanting to be a pastor, after working with youth for several years. And one day, I just felt like the Holy Spirit say, hey, take the first move in restoring this relationship. So I, I wrote a really long Facebook message, and I, I sent it to this pastor. And I, I felt freer. It didn't feel resolved. It didn't feel like reconciliation, but I, I took ownership for all my, my toxic patterns, and I, I shared my hurt for his toxic patterns. And it was two years later, he responded to that email. And he shared his perspective, how I did wrong, and the parts he could take ownership with. And uh, man, it, it brought up all those old, old feelings. It was painful. But then two years later, I responded to that. It was like, it became like a six, seven year like long process. And then we ran into each other, and Pastor Amrita and I met with him and his wife, and we talked for four hours at a coffee shop because they happened to be in the Seattle area. We talked more, and I just want to let you know that I, I have had full reconciliation with this pastor now. Like, we've prayed together, we've talked together, we've laughed together. In fact, this next week, Pastor Amrita and I are going to Colorado Springs to hang out with this pastor at a pastor's conference. The, the, the relationship has been restored. And I, I want to let you know, these principles work. Like, if, if the people of God can't have reconciliation, what hope is there for the people without this walk with Jesus? Like, if we can't demonstrate it first, what hope does this world have? And so for a nation in turmoil, for people who are canceling left and right, for people who attack others but justify their own behaviors, can we be different? And I just want to say this with a loving pastoral heart. But can we emotionally grow up? Can we emotionally grow up instead of bouncing around, 
instead of blowing up, instead of just being skunks or, or turtles, can we be like the Lamb of God? Can we be like Jesus? And I believe that it will help us walk in true, biblical, Jesus-centered, emotional health, the ministry of reconciliation that can heal our families, heal our marriages, heal our friendships, heal our workplaces. And it doesn't always have to be this big gesture. It can be in the small things. You know, I just confronted someone last week. I said, hey, why wasn't I invited to your party? I really wanted to go. And then they explained the whole situation. Actually, I, this wasn't my party. I would have put you first on the list to invite. That was me. As a pastor, confronting someone in this room about that. <laughs> and it worked out. And it was beautiful. You can have that too. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the ministry of reconciliation. Thank you for your words and scriptures. And I pray that you would help us to have the courage to have hard conversations. Whether someone hurt us or we hurt someone else. Lord, I pray that you'd help us be right with you by being right with people. We prayed in the name of Jesus and everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.